thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. <laughs> Hello, people. Hey, I want to welcome you to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. Yeah, it is. All right, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about what I'm calling the price to promise. Have you ever heard that phrase, the price to promise? What it is, is the price somebody pays to fulfill the promise that God calls them to, to their life, right? Uh, And tonight, I have an awesome guest. I'm telling you people, there's a part of me that just wants to leave and let this woman talk, just so you can listen to her. She's completely inspiring. Mignon Francois is my guest tonight. She is the founder and CEO of the Cupcake Collection. And if you have never heard of the Cupcake Collection, then you probably don't eat a lot of cupcakes. Unlike me, who loves cupcakes. <laughs> anyway, this is the home of the sweet potato cupcake. I don't know how many of you like sweet potato, but uh, she has cornered the market on that particular cupcake. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday about her, uh, and they're like, oh my gosh, that was like the best cupcake I ever. It melted in my mouth. It's the, you know... I swore off cupcakes, but then I couldn't because her cupcakes were there. (laughs) True story. Uh, Anyway, we're going to talk about uh, her journey, her entrepreneurial journey, how the Lord guided her through the tumultuous times that she went through. Um, And you're just, you're going to be inspired. You might laugh. You might cry like I did last time. I was was a mess. I was like, (laughs) this is so beautiful. So do me a favor, you guys, share this out, okay? Go ahead, share this out on whatever platform you're on, especially if you know people who, you know, have a dream, but they're afraid to pursue it, uh, or maybe they, they're a person of faith, they have an idea, but they don't know what to do, get them on the line, okay? And if you're watching the archive of this, do me a favor and share the, ar- share the ar- archive out with people, okay? Because I'm telling you people... We're going to have church tonight. I guarantee it. So this is Bible News Radio. I'm your sweet and lovable host, Stacey Lynn Harp. And tonight's guest again is Mignon Francois. I can't wait to get her on screen. So without further ado, people, the cupcake lady. Yeah, she is. And she's so much more than that. So uh, just want to welcome you to the show. There you are. (laughs) Thank you for having me. What a great, energetic type introduction. Well, you are that type of person. You know what I'm saying? You are. Thank you. So, again, thank you for coming on our show. You know, I, just so the audience knows, I only heard you talk once. And I only, I heard you speak because you were at the Chamber event a couple of months ago uh, here in Spring Hill. Everybody was on Zoom. And you, you. You know, my friend Jamie Davis, she's like, you got to listen to her. And then Stephanie Rosales, she's like, you have to listen to her. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay my 10 bucks to go listen to you. So everybody, hey, you didn't even have to pay 10 bucks like I did. So I want to hear. Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Cause well, I- I'm Mignon Francois. I, um, 
I am a person who believed as a little girl that I was going to be famous when I grew up. Didn't know why or what for, but I believed that God didn't waste this fabulous name on nobody knowing it. So I needed to do my due diligence to make my name great. But growing up, I, I think as I got out on my own, I made a lot of um, bad decisions and I found myself drowning in debt and brokenness. All of the things that my mother tried to prepare uh, me from and I landed myself right in it and found myself um, moving to Nashville, Tennessee, where uh, I was going to finally give my children a new um opportunity at having life abundantly. And as soon as we got here, the reason that we got here or the job we came here for fell through. And uh, we found ourselves jobless when we actually had sold tools and uh, things to get to Nashville. Everything we came to Nashville for kind of went south. So last one hired is the first one fired and we, we don't have a way to make ends meet. When I hear this guy on the radio, because I grew up listening to talk radio. And so being new to the city, I was looking for a talk radio show I could follow. And I was hearing people scream, we're debt free. And it resonated. And I wanted what they were screaming about, but I didn't know what I was listening to or how I could find it again. This was the end of the show. Um, I desperately sought after it and found it again and learned that there was a, almost a, a cult following of people who wanted to live a life according to what God had called them to. And that was not being slaves to lenders anymore. Mm. And I wanted that desperately and began to follow the Dave Ramsey baby steps plan and ended up taking a gamble on the last five dollars I had and turned it into a legacy that I'm telling the world about it with every chance that I get now that um, if whatever you do trust that gut on the inside that tells you that you will make it and I promise God that if you would make me successful I would tell anyone who would listen about what they could do if they believe amen Amen. Well, you, you know, it's funny you should mention Dave Ramsey because prior to me hearing him, uh, he, he's well known in our area, of course, you know, that every, everywhere you turn, there's Dave Ramsey. Hi. Hi, Dave. <laughs> uh, oh, you work for Dave Ramsey? I know 10 other people that work there too, you know? Anyway, no, actually me and my husband, we, we, uh, we went through his, uh, um, the debt thing. Financial uh, peace. Financial peace. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I had leased vehicles for like a long time. And then I heard his thing and, and you know, it really convicted me and my husband. We were here, we were leasing vehicles, never getting anything out of it, mm -hmm. you know. And we did it under the, the guise of the security of I would have a, a good car to drive. Well, it turns out uh, 14 years ago, I paid $12,000 for my convertible Sebring, which has less than 50,000 miles on it still to this day. And it's completely paid for. Um, and it's because of him. Wow. Yeah. He said, put aside that, that payment you would normally be paying, you know, which honestly I didn't, I haven't done that, but, but if I was smart, I would, you know, <laughs> so you want to be debt free. And, you know, let's talk about that just for a minute because, uh, recently I, 
I was having a conversation with somebody and they actually brought that up in the conversation. They were saying that they didn't want to be a slave to the lender, right? And mm -hmm. let's just be honest. Our culture is set up to make you be a slave to the lender. I was going to say one of the other things Dave Ramsey taught me is that if I have a credit card, I can always call to get the limit that I'm given reduced. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I actually, I remember I was on the phone with a credit card and I'm like, me and my husband always try to pay them off anyway at the end of every month. But I'm on there, the lady answers, hello, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I called, I want my credit card limit reduced. And the woman started laughing. And I said, what, why are you laughing? And she's like, do you know how many people do that? I go, no. <laughs> How many? And she's like, none. Usually people are calling to increase it. And I uh -huh. said, she goes, are you sure you want it reduced? I said, yeah, I'm definitely sure I want it reduced. Please mm -hmm. reduce it. And she, and she did, you know, so it was kind of, kind of funny. But anyway. It's a wonderful feeling when you don't have, to, when you can sleep at night, especially in this climate. I'm watching major corporations fold left and right. And, and, and you see all these big box companies that you as a little guy wanna be like one day and you're making it and they're folding. And, and, and just coming off of the Entree Leadership Summit last just about, I guess like 10 days ago, I guess now. Um, and, and just seeing all those, there was at least a thousand people there that were winning and they had successful companies and they didn't have debt just knowing that you can go to sleep at night listen i don't i'm not even in debt to my team my employees get paid every week because i don't want to be in debt to them more than seven days and even in that that gives them hope because if they're struggling they can at least see their way through for five days instead of 14. And so I'm finding that it's ministry to the people who I am mentoring through, you know, through the process just as employees because they have that chance every seven days to have a new opportunity. Amen. I, I love that. I totally love that. It's been so long since I've worked from somebody else that I actually understand what it's like to get a paycheck, but that's cool from a from an employer standpoint, especially. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I remember when you gave your presentation at the chamber, one of the things that you were talking about was how you um, were, were basically, you know, in the dark, literally, and how this whole thing started and how you, you got the house that you started this thing in. That was so impactful for me. I want you to share that with me because I, I tried, I attempted to share it last yeah. night when I was talking about you, but I, pfft, I'm sure I messed that up. So go ahead. You share that. Okay. Okay. So you were just asking me about two different stories. So we're, okay. we're talking about the way this started. I was sitting in the dark. I was doing the Dave Ramsey baby step plan. I was trying to put my money in envelopes and as broke and broken as I was at that time, if I even put my money into the bank, one misstep causing me to get a $35 bank charge would have thrown my whole entire operation off of its wheels. And so uh, he was recommending that you just put your money in envelopes and, and allot the money that way. And that was one of the greatest things that helped me to begin to win. Um, 
and I was putting my money in the envelope system and I still hadn't fed my family when I only had $5 left. And that was a family of eight. And I'm like, God, how, how can I do any differently? Well, I thought, well, you know, red beans, I'm from New Orleans. We're going to eat red beans and rice every day. You can buy a pound of red beans for a dollar at the time. And I had a vat of rice in my house and I figured I would sprinkle in ramen noodles here and there. And that's what we were going to eat when my neighbor knocked on the door. And she asked me why I was sitting in the dark. And I said, because I'm meditating, duh. <laughs> and so she, she said, I'll let you get back to what you were doing. But the truth of the matter was, I was sitting in the dark because I often sat in the dark during the day to save on electricity. We were running our house on a generator. And so um, my husband, like I like to refer to him, <laughs> would go out during the day and work and then get money for gas for the generator. And then we would bring it home. And at night, I would try to save it through the day so that our children had normalcy at night. And so that we could operate lights and things so they wouldn't feel that pinch of not having electricity. And during that time, they never complained to anyone. They also knew that when they went to school, they needed to eat because we don't know what we're going to eat when you come home tonight. So you need to eat breakfast and lunch at school as best you can. Um, as a family that doesn't eat pork and being in Tennessee, that's not always um, something that's easy to accomplish. And so eat as much as you can at school. And then when you come home, um, I don't know what we're going to have, but at least we know we were going to have something. When my neighbor asked me um, to fulfill a really big order for her, she said, those cupcakes that you've been making, I want to give them to all of my clients. And that was going to be 600 cupcakes. And I thought, I mean, I, I was in awe of the request, but I knew that I didn't have money for it. And she said, listen, I'll pay you every time you give me cupcakes. I couldn't take them all if you gave them to me all at once. So just bake some and I'll pay you. And I had to trust that she was going to pay me, like she said, because, you know, when people say they're going to pay you, they kind of mean ish, you know, <laughs> they kind of mean like in 30 days or when I get around to it. And I want to encourage people in knowing don't be arrogant and think that when somebody needs to be paid, that they need to be paid right now. And so just as she promised me, I, I closed the door. And I had a conversation with the Lord and I said, God, really, you give me this opportunity when I have no money to accept it. And God said to me very clearly, the Bible verse came to me, but I feed birds who don't look like me. They don't toil for anything and they don't store up in barns. And I bring, see those flowers outside of your window? They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And I still allow them to be beautiful. And in all their splendor, they aren't even clothed as beautifully as Solomon. And so I said, all right, God, I'm going to go and get what I can. So I walked to the grocery store because my car had been repossessed. Um, and I bought all of the ingredients that I could buy with that $5. And I turned it into 60 that night because she paid me like she said she would. And then I took 55 because I needed to put five back in case I burned everything. Because <laughs> for those who do learn of my story, I didn't know how to bake before this, not even out of a box. 
<laughs> and I was the one that was known for burning the bread. <laughs> the brown and served rolls, I burned that. Um, but now here I am having become known in my little neighborhood, my little town for making cupcakes. I literally was burning the midnight oil every day trying to create this recipe because Dave Ramsey was telling people you could get out of debt if you would just have a bake sale or a garage sale or sell your kids or whatever you got to do, but get, you know, sell something and live on less than you make. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have a bake sale and I'm going to do it every single day. So when I got to the store, um, I bought what I could. I turned it to 60 that night. I turned it into 600 by the end of that week. And I've been flipping that same money for the last almost 12 years to the tune of over 5 million cupcakes sold, being voted as the best in the state of Tennessee, having been chosen by Facebook as the bakery they wanted to launch their birthday app with, having been voted as one of the top 10 in the nation, ranked by USA Today, appeared on ABC, on the Food Network, on the Cooking Channel, all these platforms, all from a girl who just dared to believe what God had to say about her. Amen. Woo! All right, people. See, wasn't that awesome? Oh my gosh. See, that was so awesome. I'm sorry. I told you we were going to have church, people. Yeah, I did. Because this, okay, look, how many of you put your faith into action? Right? I just had Janet Porter from Faith to Action on the show a couple last week. Right now we have Mignon, okay, and completely different stories, but completely the same type of faith, right? The faith that literally moves mountains. And, and I just think it's so funny that, you know, you, you talk to Dave or, or, you know, listen to Dave Ramsey, and you, you have a bake sale. Okay. You know, people like Gary V, you know, you know, all the, the thing that they're, they're, they're always on Instagram talking about like, like go to a garage sale and buy stuff and flip it. Right. You know, flip it on eBay. Uh, you you have gold in your house. I actually you know what I did? I went through all of my books and I saw this guy on um, on YouTube. I think. It, no, it was on TikTok. And mm -hmm. he was flipping books for Amazon just by going and buying scanning books, seeing if they're worth anything and then just selling them to booksellers and making a lot of money. I thought, you know, what, I'm going to do that. You know how much money I made from just the books in my house? What? 300 bucks. What? Just from the books in my house. I had $300 worth of books laying around my house. Wow. Just by listening to this guy. So yes, there's a way. And you know, you never know unless you do it. You try, right? Mm -hmm. But I love what you said about the birds because, you know, I have, uh, I, one of my hobbies is I have bird feeders on my windows. And uh -huh. I buy the, the different types of bird seed, just see what kind of birds will come. And I love watching cardinals. They come to my window every day. And I don't know if you know this, but <clears throat> the male cardinals, you know, they're, they're the red ones and the light brown ones are the female. The male cardinals feed the female and they also feed the babies, which, yeah, it's kind of God's creation. It's like the male providing for the female and the family structure. And they're mm -hmm. uh, mostly a monogamous bird. Whereas other birds, they're not, and they don't feed, males don't generally feed the babies in the, in the thing. And I've just sat there outside my window watching these birds and I have doves come and they're bullies. They're like, get out of here. You know, there's grackles that come in and hover 
And then there's the Titted Tough Mouse, which actually is a really cute little bird that will take the seed and smack it on the bird feeder as opposed to cracking it with his beak. You know, and every day I'm sitting there watching these birds and I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? And one of the lessons I get is the same as what you're saying is that, you know what? Hey, he's feeding these birds, right? And he's going to feed us. But I just think your your sense of humor, I, although I'm not sure it was meant to be funny. That, mm-hmm. Yes, I'm meditating in the dark. Yes, so that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Um, and it took faith for you to believe that person who placed that order, right? She believed more in me than I believed in myself. Mm. And she wanted me to know that people would buy what I was selling. If you talk to her to this day, sometimes she cries when she hears that story because she didn't know what she was sowing. She just knew that she wanted to encourage something that she saw in me. But just, she said, just living next door to you all those years and not knowing that you didn't have water and that you didn't have electricity. And when I had so much, I would have given you anything. But it's just like when part of our story is that, you know, we were losing our house. And uh, the day that we opened the bakery in 2008 on November the 9th, we knew that our house was going up for foreclosure sale in December. But I had another come to Jesus moment with the Lord. And I say, God, if you say, if you are who you say you are, then you better start doing what you say you can do. Because I'm going to open up this business and I'm opening it because you told me to do it. And I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And I need you to make me successful. But if you will make me successful, I will tell anybody who will listen about what they can do if they believe. And so that was probably about a month in when God saved me from, you know, losing my house and opening a store. I had been working every day like it was a job for two years before the bakery ever even opened. And so a lot of times people see you with your business and they think, oh, this is going to be easy. But if it were easy, then everyone would be doing it. Right. And so, um, I would, you know, how many people will work every day for two years and not get much of a reward? I mean, I would go and I would sell 12 cupcakes and buy a spoon. I would sell 12 cupcakes and buy a bowl. It was when she made that big investment in in my business that I bought my first KitchenAid mixer. And I had this idea that my kitchen would be lined with all colors of KitchenAid mixers. And that's what I thought my bakery would be. But, But God had a bigger plan for me that I can sit inside of a mixer now at the Cupcake Collection. And I opened that store with a dorm-sized refrigerator and a KitchenAid mixer because that's what I could afford. And God was able to save a family and a house on that because the Bible talks about according to your faith, be it unto you. And when you really recognize the weight of that promise. He's saying, I'll give you whatever you believe you can have. If you believe you can have it, then I'll make sure you get that. You just have to work for it. And and what what I've learned over time is that work is required of you. That if, if Adam and Eve 
their first assignment in going into the garden was go now and work. And if they had greater digs than any of us can ever imagine, greater accommodations, I imagine, than any one of us can even fathom. And God said, now go and work that he must require us to be working as well. And what one of the things I feel like I mentioned Jordan, my friend Jordan Rayner in every conversation that I had, he wrote this book called Called to Create. And one of the things he, he teaches is that God was the first and ultimate entrepreneur that he led us by example and saying for six days, I'm gonna create something. And on the seventh, I sit back and look at it and call it good. But it wasn't until they began to work what they had that he called his creation very good. And so, you know, that that became the game changer in my life when, you know, I, I was able to see that the things that I believed I was privy to, I should have those things began to come to me. Yeah. There you go. What was the name of that guy? Jordan. Jordan Rayner. And the name of his book is Called to Create. All right, people. You should probably get that book. That's a hint, people. Okay. And I know you're you're going to be working on a book, right? Didn't yes. I, didn't I tell you to do that? I Or somebody else did too, right? Out of the mouth of two or 3,000 people, you should write their story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to say hi. There's a number of comments coming in, especially over on YouTube, uh, just so uh, you can you can hear uh, Tina, which is Jamie Davis's aunt. She's here. Uh, Jeannie says hi. And Tracy says hi. And Kim says hi. Carmen says hi. Everybody's saying hi. Hello, people. Um, Jamie says uh, she's fabulous. Love her. Kim says, wow, Stacy, that's awesome. And then uh, Kim, who is a, she works with horses. She says, I've been working at my business for 14 years without making much, but I'm not giving up. Jamie says, every time I, I heard her, I'm encouraged and want to cry because the Lord is, is at work. Is so at work. And then there's Natasha and Sean. Sean says, excellent. And I'm sure there's some other comments I'm not seeing over on Facebook because we're over on like a whole bunch of different channels but you guys feel free to ask questions if you have any type of question about entrepreneurship or god or how god works with entrepreneurs or us in general feel free to put it out there and i will i will get to it as soon as i can all right so the part of your story this whole thing you know like i said like i told you i've interviewed thousands of people and you know there seems to be a, cu a cookie cutter like testimony <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it. But when I heard you speak, it was like, so not that. And I'm like, okay, this woman, there's something really special about her. So the, the one of the parts about your story that, that really just blew me away was when you went and got the dirt yeah. and you prayed over the dirt. Tell us about that. Cause, cause, cause I thought that was a little bit insane, Yes. But outside the box, totally. And I just want everybody to hear that because it's so cool. It's just so cool. Okay, go I ahead. Everything in your life happens for a reason. I learned that truth from a woman who was living next door to me. And she had come home with dirt in her hand in a, in a bag in her Bible. And the next thing I know, they were moving out and they had gotten this house that they were believing God for, but she brought that land with her so she could always feel it. And that was the person who taught me that. And so I, we, we had come to Nashville 
my husband called me down to this little area of town called Germantown and said, I want you to come and see this house in this neighborhood that I've been working on. The streets were paved with brick um, the, on the sidewalks. The houses were Victorian like style um, or that Victorian era. Um, they were built in the late 1800, 1900. Remind me of New Orleans where I'm from. Um, but the one house he brings me to is ugly and it's dilapidated. And I'm like, the restaurant you promised me better be better than this house. And so we go to eat. It was uh, the mad platter. It's gone now. Um, but the mad platter was so good. And it was a place that drew people to this part of town. And people were coming out of their houses and going back into their house after eating at the Mad Platter and going back in. And I was inquiring, they were living and working in their homes. And I was just intrigued by that. And I said, take me back to that house, which was for sale. And so we go to the house that's for sale and it's got a, a sign on the, on the yard that says owner financing available. And so we, we call the real estate agent. He shows us on the inside of the house. It's raining more on the inside than it is on the outside. We're basically falling through the rotten floors to our knees. And we think it's perfect. We love it. We'll take the owner financing. <laughs> Not knowing that it doesn't work like that. It was, um, it was condemned in the current condition that it was. And they were asking $140,000 for it. And we didn't have money and we didn't have credit. Um, we, we had bad credit, in fact. Um, and I told you in the beginning that the job we came here for fell through. And so we wrote out an offer. I grabbed some of the dirt from, from the front yard and I put it in a Ziploc bag and I took it and I prayed over the house every day. Um, and, and I stuck it inside of my Bible and I kept that land there and I, continue to pray, pray for it as I place my offer. And my ex-husband was like, why let's offer them, you know, some crazy thing that we wouldn't be able to fulfill. And I said, why would we do that? We can't afford that. Let's just tell them the truth. Let's just tell them we need the owner financing. We can't pay them any money for a year. And we need them to give us that time so that we can, you know, make enough money to paid to fix the house over time. And then once the 12 months is up, we can probably get our credit together and then get, get it financed on our own. And we'll offer $80,000 because they they should be happy to take that much money. And when we placed the offer, the owner was like, are you kidding me? People are clamoring to get this property. A restaurant is going to be here one day. And I'm like, this place? It's going to be a restaurant, no way. And you're never going to get $140,000 for it. And so we walk away. He's like, good riddance. I don't need your offer because you don't understand that people are clamoring to get this property. Listen, I didn't know anything about flipping houses. I didn't know anything about the market and all that kind of stuff. I just knew what my young mind, you know, saw. And so um, we went away. And several weeks passed by and the real estate agent gave us a call and asked us to come and talk with the owner about that house. And I said, you mean the one that everybody is clamoring to get where a restaurant is going to be? And so we met him at, at one of his properties and he offered us an opportunity. He said, um, if you will 
go and work on another house of mine. I will give you $10,000 worth of credit towards the down payment on your house. And then I will own or finance it for you. Now, essentially, he's given me everything I asked him for weeks and weeks earlier when I said, no, we're just going to write down what God is saying to us to write down. And we're going to do what we can do, which is nothing but take over the house and just basically work with our hands. And so we began, we, we took his offer. We didn't have a job because if as we take this offer to work on his other property, all he's going to give us is the $10,000 in credit towards a down payment. And what are we going to live on as we do this? We didn't worry about it. We just showed up. My little three-year-old had his little Home Depot tool belt around his waist <laughs> and all of my children, five of five of the six of them at the time, there's seven now, um, go to the job site and they work their summer on this house. By the end of week one, the owner comes and says, you understand I'm not going to give you any money for this, right? I mean, you're working on this house as if I'm paying you lots of money and all I'm going to give you is $10,000 credit toward the down payment on that house and I'm going to order finance for you. And so we said we understood. But we were, I was raised by a woman who taught us those, you know, the stories that you never know, just work as if you're working for the Lord. And so we were just giving him our best. And so at the end of that first week, he pulled my um, ex-husband on the side and says, go take care of your family and gives him a check for $2,000. There you go. And so the next week we come and we're working harder now because now that was more money than I had seen in a really long time. And so now we're working harder. This is enough money as far as I'm concerned to get us through the entire month. And so we really want to work hard for this man that has blessed our family and is going to give us this $10,000, you know, towards our home. And by the end of the second week, he's like reminding us, listen, I'm not giving you anything except the $10,000 towards the down payment on your house. And by the end of that second week, pulls him on the side and gives him $2,000. It says, go take care, care of your family. Now that's $4,000 at this point and a $10,000 promise towards the down payment on the house. He did that four weeks in a row until we got finished with the house. So tune up $8,000 in cash in our pocket, $10,000 towards the down payment on the house and a job as his lead foreman, flipping houses for him around Nashville. So not only did he own and finance it for us, just like I wrote in the original offer, he gave us the $10,000 we needed in credit towards the down payment on the house, a job and a $40,000 open line of credit at Home Depot in order to renovate the house. So not only did he provide a living for us, he provided a way for us to get started. When we moved into that house, we moved into it with two bedrooms and a half bathroom. And the half bathroom was a tub and a toilet. And with, with eight people living in a house, our second bathroom was a Home Depot orange bucket with a toilet seat lid on it in another room that had a door on it. Now, this is in 2005. We're not talking about a really long time ago um, in an area that was considered to be a very affluent part of town and no one knew what our situation was living right 
you know, under their noses. And so it just was a testament to, to when we fast forward um, three years later, we're about to lose this house because we ended up getting it financed. Just everything, everything I wrote in the original offer. Um, we didn't make a payment for a year. <laughs> All the things that, that I asked for originally. Have we been arrogant and just said what we thought the man wanted to wanted us to say, we would have missed out on an opportunity for God to bless us. And we just never know what God is doing in our lives. If we'll just go in the direction that he's leading you to go, if you will go in obedience, he's responsible for the outcome. And so um, we, we end up almost, you know, losing the house again a few years later as the economy tanks. Mm -hmm. And that same investor, you know, having to get out of the business and losing his houses and you know, things like that. And it wasn't the same economy that we had come into when we found this home. And, and my husband was coming home every day and he looked gray. Like he's really fair skinned like me or lighter than me. And so he should be pink, but he looked dirty, almost gray underneath. And I thought he was dying. And little did I know that he was dying to me. He wasn't physically dying to the earth. He was dying to me. And so I was asking God to give me something that I could do to help my husband make ends meet. And that's when I heard Dave Ramsey say, have a bake sale. And I'm like, but God, I, I don't know how to bake. Not even guys out of a box. When, but I had these two daughters who were great at baking. They were 10 and 16. And I thought, I could sell whatever they make at night after school. I could sell it in the daytime. And shortly after coming up with this plan, my oldest daughter let me know that she wasn't in from a little baking idea and that she was going back to New Orleans where we were from. And so without her, my little, my younger daughter wasn't interested if her bigger sister wasn't going to be involved. So now I got to learn how to bake. I call my grandmother on the phone who had taught me how to cook long distance. And um, my mother would give us five minutes a week to talk um, as I made a deal with my mom when I was a teenager. If, if I cook, you wash the dishes. Could that be a deal? Because I hated to wash dishes and she hated to cook. And so um, she said, deal. And so she'd give me five minutes to talk to my grandmother every week on the phone. So I learned to cook that way. So I, 17 years later, here I am, I'm calling my grandmother on the phone. I said, grandma, the man on the radio says that you could get out of debt if you would have a bake sale. Will you help me bake your strawberry cake? My grandmother doesn't have recipes. Right. She was an old Louisiana woman who was domestic. She took care of other people's households. That's what she did for a living. And um, she didn't have a very far education. I believe she only had the opportunity to go to the fourth or the sixth grade. And so she, she said, okay, baby, open up your hand. Put that much flour in there. Pinch your fingers together. And she went through a recipe with me. And as I was writing down everything my grandmother said, I knew that I was going to have to be consistent if I was going to open up a business on this. Because, you know, sometimes grandmas are off. You know, my grandmother, sometimes her cake would be fabulous. And sometimes like, mm, 
you know, and so I knew that what she was giving me, I was going to have to find consistency in it. And my grandmother warned me, well, you know, baby, I don't have recipes that are written. And so I looked at everything that my grandmother was giving me. And what I want somebody to know today is every stupid thing that you've ever had to do is taking you from where you are to where it is that you want to be. If you will just follow the plan or if you'll just look for the lesson that God is trying to teach. And as I was reading what my grandmother had given me as I had written it out, I had a huge aha moment. 17 years earlier, I was on scholarship at Xavier University. I went to school to become a doctor. In the biology pre-med program, and I had even gone through high school in all of their their pre-college programs, I couldn't apply the science to the human body once I got there. And distraught and feeling defeated, I end up leaving the program, feeling like a failure. But 17 years later, God was showing me, you didn't fail. That wasn't my plan for your life. You made some mistakes along the way, but you're not a mistake. If you decide to go left or you decide to go right or you decide to go up or you decide to go down, that's where God says, if you make your bed in hell, I'm there. And as I was making my bed in hell the whole time, God was always with me. And 17 years later, he showed me that I've been with you always and I will be with you even until the end of the world. And so he showed me that what I couldn't apply to the human body, I could apply it to food. And I started working that recipe that she gave me and realized that she had shown me a chemical reaction. Hmm. And I could manipulate that thing and turn it into a recipe that I could use for all time. And so now I make recipes that are my own. And I've been doing that and winning awards with them ever since. <laughs> ah, don't you love that? I, you know, you know what? God's ways are not our ways. Just saying, they're not. You know, as some people would say, in some ways, that's ignorance on fire. Like, whatever. Who said I can do this? Right. <laughs> All right. I gotta, uh, I gotta read some of the questions that have come in, because uh, a whole bunch of questions have come in here. So, uh, all right. So let's see here. Jamie says. How did you, how do you deal with negative voices? Oh my gosh, this is so great. So I told you earlier that I went to the Entree Leadership Summit in Nashville and Christy Wright was on stage talking about um, a guest that she had on her show. Um, science says that we have five to 60,000 thoughts every day in our head with the average person thinking 30 thoughts a day and 80% of those thoughts are negative. Can you imagine that if you're thinking an average of about 20,000 thoughts a day, that's a lot of thinking. But the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. That you, you it's like, just like when you are what you eat, you're, you are what you think. And that if it's according to your faith, be it unto you, what is it that you believe about yourself? And so what we learn to do is we have this little trick that we do in, on our team that if we can't follow a statement with, and that's just the way I want it, 
then we won't say it. And so I'll give you an example. Man, I, I suck. And that's just the way I want it. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. And that's just the way I want it. And what one of my friends gave me this, she said, um, with the way that her family says it is, and I'm loving it. <laughs> my daughter and I don't get along and I'm loving it. <laughs> and so what we do is we call every thought into obedience for what it is that we want by using that measure against it that says, and that's just the way I want it. If I can't make that statement true by, by putting that phrase on the end of it, then I've got to rephrase it. And I surround myself with people who will call me on that. When I say things that speak against what it is that God has said about me, when I, because that's what we like to do. We like to elevate our own thoughts or our own feelings above what God has said. So God has said, you're you are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And you say, no, I'm not good enough. No, I don't have the ability. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm a failure. We, we put that above what God says. God says you can do all things. You can do all things through me because I'm going to give you strength. No, I don't have what it takes. And so right. you, I surround myself <laughs> with people who will challenge me and say, oh, is that just the way you want it? And so that's how I deal with the negative thoughts. If you tell yourself that you're not good enough, you can't get mad at someone else who does it too. Because if you can't believe you, then who, who can you believe? Right. Great point. That is a great point. I love that. I love that. I totally love that. Jamie, does that help? Hopefully that helps. All right. Okay. So um, Kim, she says, what kept her going when it seemed like things were going so slow? I know God played a big part, but what else? Yeah. So I'm not telling you that I didn't get discouraged. <laughs> you know, on the night before we got ready to open that store, there the walls weren't even painted. But you had I had to have I had to have little wins. I remember this was the turning point for me. I was sitting in the store. I had worked every day like two years, like I told you, like it was a job before this store ever even opened. And now I got the store and I'm in here. And I'm thinking that when I fling these doors open, they're coming because I put a three by three like sign on the outside of my building that says bakery coming soon. And it's been out here for two years and now it's open. So I'm thinking the people are coming and I'm sitting in here and some days I didn't see anybody. And I had $17 days. I had $11 days. My ex-husband calls me on the phone one day to see how I was doing in the bakery. How's it going? And I got ready to open my mouth and say, complain. Is that man, I haven't seen anybody today. And I stopped myself in the moment. And I said, you know what? Whatever came, God sent it. So I'm going to be grateful for that. When I learned to have gratitude, the Bible says, be anxious over nothing, but give thanks in everything. When I learned to be grateful for whatever God was sending, knowing that whatever was happening was not a surprise to him, that's when my life changed. That's when I stopped having $17 days. And let me tell you, just because you, you, know, you get success or you, you experience success and you start getting some of the things that you want, 
doesn't mean that it ceases to be hard. It continues to be hard. Right. Your things that are hard just become bigger. You know, those things that the average person is dealing with seem like child's play to you at that point. But when you start looking back, when I look back over my life and the places that God has brought me from and the things that he has said about me and the ways that he has showed up for me and said, I will do this if you will only believe, if you will give me your time. The Bible says in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will tell you which way to go. Yeah, Those will. have been the things that have truly kept me going. You can't, you can't depend on the promises of God if you don't know what he has said. And so like for my children, when I go out of town and my children are waiting for me to get back home because they know I've got a, I've got a surprise for them when I get back because I told them a surprise was coming. When mommy comes back, I'm going to have a surprise for you. They're waiting on that surprise because they know the promise of their mom. The same thing goes for me. I, I found a book by Mark Batterson called Draw the Circle. And, and so reading the circle, well, Draw the Circle is the devotional. The Circle Maker is the book. And I learned how to draw circles around the promises of God. But you can't know or bring God into, you, you can't like shake your finger at God and say, God, you promised me this or that when you don't even know what God has promised. So you got to spend time with God to know what his promises are so you can give them back to him and repeat them back to him. God, you said that I can have A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. But if you don't know what that is, mm -hmm. you can't call God on it. You can't expect him to do anything because you've spent no time knowing what he said about you because a lot of times we're depending on God and looking for God to answer things that God won't align with in the first place and so that's that's the way that I stayed on track and I hope I hope that helps to answer that question I, th I think it answers it great and um, I also just remembered didn't you share that you also got up super early to spend time with God during that time because yeah. you Cause you know, yeah. my three seventeen story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wake up every morning at three seventeen like clockwork, as if a an alarm was going off. I could look to the left and know what the clock was going to say, and it was three seventeen. I gotten up. My favorite television programming is PBS. I think PBS during fundraising is the best television of all time. <laughs> and so I get up to watch PBS at three o'clock in the morning because I don't know what else to do because I can't sleep. And, and what I learned, Wayne Dyer was on one day. And in telling this story, I learned what his name was over the years because I didn't even know who I was listening to. But I was telling this story about a man I found on TV who say, the morning breeze has something to tell you. Do not go back to sleep. And then someone hear my story say that sounds like Wayne Dyer I went back and found the very clip that I saw I was like yes this is the man that I was listening to but he was saying the morning breeze has something to tell you do not go back to sleep and I thought that sounded crazy to me I, I know nothing about listening to the morning breeze all I know is I, I can hear God and I don't even know what that really sounds like but as I looked for my remote to get this man off of my tv because I didn't know what he was talking about um, he said, God is trying to speak to you. This is the only time that you will listen. 
you're only silent enough right now. So you think that you're getting up to check your children and make sure they're breathing. You think that you're checking the house to make sure that the stove is off or that the doors are locked. God is trying to talk to you. So show up with God. But now that you know that it's God that's trying to talk to you, it's going to be hard to get out of the bed now. But you got to put your feet on the floor. It'll take you about a week. And once you put your feet on the floor, you'll end up eventually coming to meet God. And it happened just like he said it would. Yeah. Took me a week to show back up there. <laughs> I just got to put my feet on the ground. Oh, my God, I'm so tired. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and so um, when I showed up in my living room at 317, I'm like, God, I'm here. Please don't talk and really let me hear your voice because that's going to freak me out. I don't know. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't really want to hear you. And I think that's what happens. We really don't want to hear God. We really don't want to hear God speak because if he would speak, he would tell us the truth because God is not a man that he could buy. And he's going to hold us to something that we don't want to be held responsible or accountable to. And I was like, God, please don't speak. But God began to talk to me in the way that I could still live and not die. And it was so strong of an urge to pick up my Bible and open it to wherever it will fall. Chapter three, verse 17. And I began to feverishly read my entire Bible from chapter three, verse 17. And any book that didn't have a three, verse 17, I would go to the next book. And I would read it until it wasn't like resonating anymore. And I got a pen and a journal and I wrote everything that God had to say to me in that time. And he gave me all the instructions to open the cupcake collection at 317 in the morning. <laughs> Don't you love that, people? That's so cool. All right, everybody. Okay, so this next question actually is for me. And you may laugh at this. Okay, so this question comes from Jeannie who says, she asked me, Mignon, what cupcake of yours have I had? Okay. I have never had your cupcakes. Really? <laughs> really. <laughs> I, I almost hate to admit it because I'm never down in that area. And I have never had your cupcakes. It's the truth. I am interviewing a cupcake queen and I've never had one of your cupcakes. I just think it's a Bible promise though for me. Yeah. God said that people would hear my story. They would bless him for me and pray my success because of my obedience to him. Mm -hmm. That was what he told me at 317 in the morning as he got ready to stop awakening me once I did all the things that he called me to do. And so the very fact that you have me here opening up your platform to me just having read the things or heard me talk about God, what he'll do for you if you believe. And now you've prayed for it. <laughs> it's, just an, it's just another testament to what God told me was going to happen. So it's okay that you've never had it. But know that you don't have to be in the area to get one. We ship them. Yeah, We ship them nationwide every day. So you don't have to come all the way down to Nashville, wherever you're listening from. You can get the cupcake collection delivered right to your door. Yeah, go ahead. Tell everybody how they can do that and, and what your website is, because I know that it's like we've got like five minutes or so left, unless you want to yeah, go longer, which is up to you. thecupcakecollection.com. People can also find us on Facebook and at the Cupcake Collection, on Instagram at the Cupcake Collection, or mignon.francois on Instagram, and then on Twitter at Cupcake Tweets. 
There you go, people. There you go. Okay, so, and don't worry. I will get your cupcakes. Don't worry. I cannot go through life without tasting somebody's cupcakes. I had somebody else's cupcakes here recently, and I was talking to a friend of mine. Well, actually, a new friend I was networking with yesterday online, and she was talking about your cupcakes. And I asked her about this other person's cupcakes, which shall remain nameless. And they said, oh, no, yours are the best, no matter what. So talk about your your um your sweet potato one. You're the only person in the country that makes that one. Is that right? I, I don't know if anyone else makes it. It is a cupcake collection original. So what I always say, if you ever meet another one, it wants to be that one. So it's it's the one that you that's rivaled amongst many, and it was voted by Yelp and Business Insider as the best cake in Tennessee. And so as we get ready to celebrate Yelp's 16th birthday on tomorrow um, in, uh, in Nashville and New Orleans, they've done an offer for people who will come in in those two cities and check in. Wow. Um, and so that's one of the places that they're putting their money where their mouth is on the best cake in the country. There you go. Does this crack you up, though, that <laughs> that here you are, like, yes. it would be like if I was to make a cupcake and all of a sudden it became, like, yours. <laughs> I'd be I'm like, sorry. I'd be I, laughing. I, I, I still i am in awe of God as I watch the people stand in line. When Haiti had the earthquake several years ago, mm -hmm. um, our stores closed on Saturdays because that's the day that we go to worship. And so that was the instruction that God gave to me. Um, and again, my, my ex-husband was like, no one's going to come to your store if you're not open on Saturday. And it's just like, but that's what God told me to do. And so if I had believed that, look at the opportunity I would have missed out on that we've become so sought after in the cities where we are, but I'm, I'm in awe of the line. And so when Haiti had this really big earthquake, I decided to open my doors on a Saturday. And I was like, God, I know this isn't what the instruction you gave to me, but I also know that you wouldn't be sitting in a church pew when people are hurting. So what am I supposed to do? So I went to my team and I said, well, God, if my team will give their time, and all of my vendors will give the ingredients. I will open my store and I will feed your, I will feed your children. I will send aid to them with whatever I get. We decided to set all of our vendors did exactly that. And all of our team um, volunteered their time and we sold cupcakes for $5 a piece uh, and then gave free coffee away from our our partner who was community coffee at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had, we, we were awakened to a line around the block. I'm just always in awe of the ways that if you will do what God has instructed you to do, he is responsible for the outcome. I'm like, God, really, these people are standing in line for something I make. <laughs> this is, I, I have an offer right now to be a part of a cookbook series. And I'm like, I, I don't even know what I have to offer you in this, in this cookbook. And they're just like, Mignon, come on, just think about it. And, you know, it's just, I'm just amazed at the promise of God who said, I thought I was ugly. I thought I wasn't good enough. 
And when I look back on the name that God gave my parents to name me, he called me beautiful. I started to learn that I need to stop putting my thoughts of what I think I am above what God says that I am and do the things that God has said I can do. Amen. Amen. So Jamie says that your cupcakes are at Tzatziki. How do you say that? Tzatziki's. In Franklin? Um, they are in nine locations around Nashville. Okay. So you can get them as as far north as Hendersonville and as, as far south as Franklin. Okay. And then everywhere that there's a Tzatziki's in between. All right. We're going to have to go there, Bareface, because we live in Spring Hill. So... There you go. Thank, thank you for telling her about that. <laughs> Jamie, there you go. Also, Tina says she's going to get some eventually. Kim says your thing is powerful. Uh, Tina had asked, how do you, how did you come to hear God's voice? But I think you actually answered that when mm-hmm. you were talking about your 317 story and you didn't even know that. Kim said that you're an inspiration. See, I told you, I told you people. <laughs> And I don't know to see any other comments over here. Um, <clears throat> Sean said, with God, all things are possible. Sandra said, God is so amazing. Uh, a couple other people, they were shouting hallelujah and amens and yeses in the chat room as you were speaking. I don't know what about, but I'm sure I can figure that out after I, yeah, there's just that. Uh, that's very cool. All right. Does anybody else have any other questions? Actually, we're over time. Do you, want, do you mind staying a few more extra minutes or should we just... Mm-hmm wrap it up to you I'm, I'm okay for a couple of minutes okay all right randall do you have any questions i mean you're the man you're you're sitting across the table yes no maybe so i don't know no i have no idea what that means he went like this i think he's doing sign language <laughs> says no i th- i don't think he has any questions but somebody else also said your smile is beautiful too and i totally oh, agree you. it is it's so you're 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 gorgeous so um okay so you know what i have not done this forever in a long time i'm going to ask an a-list guest question and because you are a cook right you are a baker i i am i'm a baker i'm more of a scientist okay you're a scientist okay i have two questions of my a-list i have three a-list guest questions i've asked lots of people i asked miss k from Duck Dynasty, this question when I interviewed her. Okay? okay. So this is the first A-list guest question. Okay. Uh, I actually asked Dr. Ben Carson this question as well. So it'll be fun to see, you know, what you say compared to what they said. What kind of magnets do you have on your refrigerator? Oh, that's really good. Um, Thank you. I just start. so I only have two. I have one for Magnolia because I went down to Waco, my cousin and I, um, who is my forever ride or die chick. We, we, <laughs> we done everything together all of our lives. And so we were in Dallas um, for our nephew's wedding and we snuck away at three o'clock in the morning um, knowing that we could be back for the wedding in time, we were a little late because we got hung up in Waco. <laughs> but we went down to um, we went down to Magnolia and visited um, Joanna Gaines' place mm-hmm. and and got to go to the silos and all the kind of stuff. So I have a magnet for there, 
And then I have a magnet of a statue of little slave children. I recently went to the Whitney Plantation and the Whitney Plantation is one of the few um, plantations that exists in Louisiana. Um, and its sole purpose is to present the life of the slave. And so they have um, these, these statues that were commissioned of little children around the plantation um, in sort of the environment of what their lives would have been like. And I have a picture of one of those little children um, as a reminder that I represent so many nameless women who came before me, who could have done great and amazing things if the opportunity had ever been afforded to them. But even if you never know their name, they matter and they exist. And by you knowing my name, then their lives are not in vain. And so that's why I have that on my refrigerator. Oh, that's so cool. I love that story. That deserves a heart, people. <laughs> All right. Last question. Mm -hmm. oh, this is slightly out of the box. Okay. Now, actually asking you this might be different. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. I'll ask it anyway. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this though. Okay. Do you buy eggs? You buy eggs, right? Yes. Do you buy them in the carton or in a flat? Both. Okay. Well, it, de it depends on what I'm buying them for. Okay. Let's just say you buy them in the carton. The, okay. the, the dozen or the 18. Okay. 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 When you take eggs out of the carton, <laughs> uh, like before you crack them and stuff, or actually you crack them and then you, you, you could put them in a bowl or whatever. What do you do with the eggshells? I stack them. Okay. So you stack them and then all the eggs that are left in the carton, where do you take them from? Do you take them from the edge? Do you take them from the middle? Do you rearrange them? What do you do? Uh, I do. <laughs> so whenever, so I, I'm thinking about the fact that they're in a flat. Okay. And so I pull out the eggs that I want, depending on how many that I'm trying to use. And then I try to keep my lines even and group them back so that when I put the flat back, all of the eggs are still grouped together in a pattern. <laughs> so you do it. So there's a pattern. That's cool. And the egg shells, what do you do with those? Do you save them? Do you compost them? You throw them in the trash down the garbage disposal? Yes, but when I, after I crack them, I stack them all. So then I, and I try to get a neat stack of, of them. <laughs> And it, because I, I never want to, if I ever forget how many I'm counting, then I want to have them all right there. So I stack them. And then once I finish and I know I have what I need, I just, there you go. sometimes I throw them into my plant. Okay. I hear that they're really snail deterrents because it's like the snails, if they go over the eggshells, it's like a, a barbed wire fence to them. Really? Mm-hmm. I learned it from my stepmother who would give her plants eggshells. So sometimes I throw them into my plants. I don't know what it's doing. I thought it was food. <laughs> I just was doing it because she, you know, it's kind of like that story. 
why do we cut off the ends of the, the roast when we put it into the oven? I don't know, because your grandmother did it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you finally talked to the grandmother, it was because, oh, we had a little bitty oven and it could never fit. I had a roasting pan and it was never big enough. So I always had to cut the ends off and throw it away just to fit into this pan that I have. And we pass on traditions and we don't know why. <laughs> We're doing things the way that we're doing them. And mine, I guess, is the eggshells inside of the plants. There you go. Well, you know, believe it or not, that conversation about the eggshells has become so controversial on this show. It cracks me up, literally. <laughs> Get it? Crack the egg. No. <laughs> anyway, that was bad. But it's That's true. Good. It's true, though. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, all right. Well, hey, it has been so fun having you. And I would love to have you come back. You know, maybe we could do another segment sometime, but I would love for you just to give everybody, again, where they can get your cupcakes at and visit you and order your cupcakes and all that stuff. Anything else, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. So my website is thecupcakecollection.com. And so you can visit us. Our store is open 24-7 there, and you can ship cupcakes around the country um, from the site. You can also check out my Instagram page, which is mignon.francois on Instagram, or the Cupcake Collection is on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. And we are at Cupcake Tweets on Twitter. All right. There you go, people. All right. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning into this show. Don't forget, if you like this show, you can go over to BibleNewsRadio.com, become a monthly pillar of our community by donating to the show right through the website. And as I always say, on the end of every show, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. We'll see you tomorrow.